Welcome to the Friends and Rivals podcast. Did your family have like a crest and you and it's and that entire last name is on it? I I used a Colgate, but um, I'm not sure. Let's talk devils and islanders. Let's talk penguins and rangers. But let's not talk about flyers because they're a bunch of fucks, which no one can deny, which no one can deny. So welcome to the second installment of the Friends and Rivals podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Harkness. Along with me are... Steve. Nick Larita. Bill. You guys don't have last names? What's going on here? Nobody yeah, they don't. Know only, only, Nick, only Nick and I have last names. I think it's the people in New Jersey. They're afraid to tell people their last names. I think, yeah, that's, really. I think that's what it is. You wind up in a Terrifying. ditch if you tell somebody your last name up here. Mine's, mine's difficult to pronounce. Well, yeah, it's French. For, for me as well. So how, how do people actually pronounce your last? Fuger? How do people or how is it pronounced? No, no, no. I know how it's pronounced, but how do people, how do people say it? Uh, well... Uh, all sorts of ways, but actually my favorite is when they actually transpose the R and the G somehow, and they call me like Fergie. Like they'll, they'll actually get the R in front of the G. Uh, I don't, and it just—I mean, I could, I could, I can accept that people are going to butcher the name, but at least like get it in some kind of uh, correct order. I mean, it's it's spelled for you. You know what well, I'm saying? Yeah, I understand that. But pe- people yeah. in Steve's even family pronounce it differently oh, yeah. depending Every, on which brother does. you ask no everybody depending on which does. brother you ask yeah bill so what's, the, War- what's the what's the bill what's the full last name <laughs> i always get a kick out of that fougere de champagne fougere de champagne <laughs> did your family have like a crest and you and it's then that entire last name is on it i i used uh, colgate but um i'm not sure colgate and crest uh that was that was a great one bill that was a great one uh I'm bringing it tonight. So, yeah. so part, so yeah, you're bringing it. So, so part of the, uh, it's part of the first couple of weeks we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit more intros, kind of like a get to know your host a little bit. Um, so this week we're going to focus on what made us fans of our actual teams. Since Nick, this was your idea, why don't you go first? What what made sure. you an, what made you an Islander fan? God, who the hell did that to you? <laughs> it's funny you should ask that question. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, our, my family's off on Long Island. So um, I was born in 81 uh, during the dynasty, and um, my dad was a Islanders fan. And so he actually went to number, you know, tons of games, you know, during the, during the dynasty years before that. You know, my first game was, I think, I don't know what year. I think it was like 85 or 86. Um, and so, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, I grew up uh, all the place. We, we didn't, I was not really, uh, I think like one of the only people from my, my mom's side of family that doesn't still live on Long Island. So everyone's still there except for us. Um, and so we moved to Connecticut, Rochester, um, back to Jersey, then Edison for a while, and then um, back to South Brunswick, <clears throat> which we, we, we ended up staying in, in New Jersey. And, um, I still stayed an Islander fan. Uh, we, we saw games, you know, we saw Devils games at, the, at uh, Continental. But uh, to be honest, uh, I have memories of sitting in my parents' room watching uh, the, uh, you know, Islanders playing against the Capitals. In, uh, that was 92-93. Turgeon scores, my favorite player, and gets knocked over by uh, Dale Hunter. And then, you know, Rich Pelon comes flying in like a maniac and the whole Bench is cleared. You know, I remember like watching that game and you know it's like freaking out. And I was the only person in my whole family doing that. So you know I just stayed an Islander fan. I don't know why I just stuck, never really like left. And then I think you sit there and you're like basically a sucker for punishment for so long you just can't get out of it. It's like, like a Mets Jets fan. fan. 
Yeah, we're on the same page there for sure. We're on the same page. I think the other team, only only the four team, four majors. I I don't really. I stopped being a Knicks fan completely. I just couldn't couldn't take the. the ownership I'm right there. with I'm right with you on that one. Which you know is funny because like the the Isles ownership was was so bad for years, but luckily you know Charles Wanks came in and kept the team there. So that's a story from the other day, I guess. But we'll uh, we'll leave it there. I feel like it's a pretty good spot to stop at. But what's uh, about you, Stephen? I became a Devils fan uh, almost by accident. I got a job at a store in Menlo Park Mall called The Complete Athlete, and the manager there was a very, very obnoxious Rangers fan, and I had to just be against him. So that was why I became a Devils fan, and I guess out of the four of us, I probably am the most proud to be from New Jersey, and it was nice to have a team from New Jersey root for a team from New Jersey rather than a team from New York or a team that plays in New Jersey but calls themselves New York. So that was how I became a Devils fan. The athlete was a great place to work by the way great store great store that's actually where steve and i met was in that exact store and he yelled at me so much he gave me a job juvenile delinquent and and that is what they say is history my experience and how i became a new york ranger fan was um it was actually tied to another topic that we'll have today um with regards to uh, trades and free agencies um of the 1990s and and mine was the the year messier was brought in uh, traded to the New York Rangers. Um, I also found Sega Genesis Hockey that year. And uh, I was the Rangers in a line of uh, Darren Turcott with John O'Grodnick and Mike Gartner. Uh, I was unstoppable. Um, so I, 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 I would play uh, Sega Genesis hockey all the time. And um, I would, I would, I would watch the Rangers uh, every chance I got, and even though Messier was the big ticket name, uh, fell in love with Brian Leach. And um, he and Don Mattingly were, were my sports guys and Lawrence Taylor. And those were the, those are the first guys on the teams that got me locked in to the teams I'm in now. And, you know, Patrick Ewing was that guy for the Knicks. Uh, I think the last basketball game I actually ever watched was when Patrick Ewing came back to the garden with the Seattle Supersonics. I think that was the last NBA basketball game that I watched. But that that year I got to go to uh, to the playoffs and and the Devils and the uh, Rangers played a, a, an epic seven game series there. I went to Game Three that year, which which they lost. Uh, it was pretty cool. I got uh, I got destroyed by a lot of Devils fans sitting up in the uh, in the stands, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, but my father used to have season tickets to the Devils growing up. Devils and Nets, and through his work, they also had season tickets to the Yankees. And we would go to some Devils games. It was mostly Nets games where we sat behind the uh, we sat behind the. The, the basket and at intermission you'd go and walk to the side and you can see where the you can see the ice underneath the basketball court and I always thought that was the that was the coolest thing but watching and go seeing the Nets where Daryl Dawkins and Mike Draminski were playing and I was never really into the Devils into hockey back then it wasn't until I I, I started watching the Rangers that I became that I became a fan so so what was it about Messier signing with the Rangers that put you over the edge he was the guy that was going to bring the cup to the Rangers he was the Messiah that was coming to lead the team to the Stanley Cup, to the championship. And that that hooked me. And Messier, you know, was a very special player to me, uh, as was Brian Leach in my early fandom uh, with the Rangers. And for all the things I have on the wall, it's pretty evident. 
I still still like them. So that was uh, that was my introduction into the hockey world and to the New York Rangers. That's why I'm a fan, and uh, that's why I'm still a fan. So Billy, what made you a Penguins fan? Oh, you're so proud that you're still a fan, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I you know what? I I stick with my team, thick <laughs> and thin. I don't oh. abandon ship when things get a little tough with ownership, and I tough. may not like the guy. <laughs> But you know what? I still stick and I bleed true blue. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah. Uh, my So my story is a little more complicated than the rest, isn't it? Although I didn't realize, Steve and Tom, that you were both kind of relative new, newcomers to it. I mean, uh, man, you guys, have, that, that was recent. So I started out as a Rangers fan. Um, my, my father had season tickets to the Rangers, I, I think before I was born, but if not before I was born, then in the first couple of years of my life in my infancy, I, I forget when he got them, started to get them. Billy, best seats in the house. Fantastic the seats. Three, section 310, row G, seats 3 and 4, center yeah. ice, 300 level was, uh, yeah, they were great seats. And I, and, and I grew up <laughs> I grew up in those seats. I was going to Madison Square Garden when I was way too young to really be going there. Um, you know, it was not really a place for a five-year-old maybe uh, uh, when, when I started going there. But uh, I, I, I saw everything there. And, and I, I mean, I got hooked on the Rangers and hooked on the sport at Madison Square Garden watching, you know, Kelly Kissio and John O'Gronick and, and Walt Pudubny uh, and, and all those those guys, uh, a little bit of James Patrick. You know, I just, I, I grew up on it and and I loved it. And uh, so how do I get from there to being a Penguins fan? Well, around the age of 13, I the, the woman that I, that I thought was my mother, I found out wasn't really my mother and and my mother actually was uh, a waitress from Primanti Brothers. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> Kidding. Love you, mommy. I'm sure she's going to listen. No, so uh, I, uh, I I followed the team religiously, obviously, for many years. Uh, my my father had the season tickets through the through the 90s. Uh, uh, he was at Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, I was still a Ranger fan then. Um, and then I took over. I, I had those season tickets uh, after he passed away. I, I kept those season tickets in the family. Split them with the son of the guy that he used to split them with. Um, and had those up until the lockout of uh, what was it, 2004 or whatever it was. So I had, I was there for a lot of uh, lean years with those tickets, uh, spending a lot of money on that product. It was around that time that, um, you know, they switched ownership to Cablevision and James Dolan. And it, and it wasn't an instantaneous thing where I rejected them as soon as they were sold. But after years of watching that team get mismanaged uh, and all the money that I was spending on it, and it, I got to the point where I, I didn't want to support them anymore. So I, I, I stopped with the season tickets. But it was that year after the lockout when uh, when they were in first place for uh, a lot of the season, um, and then they blew it in the last uh, couple of weeks. The and their arch rival Devils, you know, came in and took first place from them. Not only took first place from them in the final days of the season, but swept them right out of the playoffs. And I'm sitting there thinking, I I hate this owner. I hate everybody on this team. I can't. I can't support them anymore. And it was, maybe it was my midlife crisis at a younger age, but uh, I just started, uh, I, I I believe in a free market system and I started looking for a, a new team to root for. And uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins and had drafted Sidney Crosby, obviously coming out of that lockout uh, was his first season. They missed the playoffs that year. Um, I was a little hesitant to, to jump on that bandwagon because of, uh, they, they didn't seem like they had their act together either. I thought at the time, I mean, signing a guy like Ziggy Palfi, um, it, it reminded me a little 
little bit too much of, of the Rangers how they would used to just go after free agent names and things. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. But, uh, you know, after a little research, I, I wanted to root for a team in the division because I still hated the, the Devils and I still hated the Islanders and I still hated the Flyers. Fuck the Flyers. Fuck the Flyers. Um, and uh, so I, I, I did want to root for a team and, and kind of continue that that feeling of uh, that that those rivalries and, and watch those teams with those rivalries again. But uh, I was choosing another team and I chose the Penguins. And uh, and from there, um, you know, they haven't, you know, they, I, like any team, there's been ups and downs, but they haven't uh, disappointed me to the point where I've had to like throw my hands up and say, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, I, I really like that team. I like the ownership. Um, and I've always felt like they've tried to put uh, a competitive product on the ice. Um, which is really the, the key for me. I, I want to feel like there's somebody who's invested in it and not, you know, at, at best, James Dolan is indifferent about the Rangers. And, and while that works in their favor, because you look at the Knicks that he is not indifferent about and see what a disaster they are. Um, but I, I, that's not enough for me uh, to, to be just indifferent about the organization that you own, that you run. It's not enough for me. So was, that's Mario, was Mario the owner already by the time you started rooting for them? Or was that right around yeah. the same time? I can't remember exactly when he took over, but yeah, he was, he was uh, in the ownership group by then. Yeah. Okay. And he's, you know, he's the face of the ownership there. Burkle's the, Burkle's the real owner. Burkle's the, the money guy. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, uh, I've always liked uh, that, that team of, uh, of uh, Ron and Mario. Yeah. And when you no. were a Rangers fan, what was your take on Mario? Um, I always had a lot of respect for him. I mean, he was one of the great players in the game, but you know, he was, he was a rival and, yeah. and I certainly wasn't room for him to, to do well. Um, but it wasn't and, like uh, you hated him like you hate anybody that ever played for the Flyers. No, I never, never had that kind of hatred okay. for him. No. You know, I'm coincidentally, through. you know, coincidentally <laughs> with your hiatus to the Penguins, in came Glenn Sather, and that's when James Dolan kind of got hands off of the New York Rangers, and they had some success after that. Can't say the same thing for the Knicks, where he has been hands on, but for the Rangers, I think it's been, you know, a pretty decent, a pretty decent ride. Would have liked a cup in there, but so the puck bounces. Uh, week in review time. Um, not a lot happened during the course of the week, but. A lot did happen in the past 24 hours, but before we get into that, um, let's go around and, and talk about the week in, re in review per team. Steve, why don't you lead off with the Devils? We had a whole lot of nothing. We've got games being canceled left and right across the NCAA, overseas. The big news is that guys are starting to be called back, and one of them uh, wasn't necessarily called back, but the big story today was that Heashier is starting to make his trek back to- I saw that photo on, on, on Twitter, which, by the way, the, I got to give a lot of props to devil's twitter they put the the baby yoda meditating on top of the prudential center with the with the, the uh with the beams going up yeah. and that was yesterday and today they reposted and said oh my god it's working one of the funniest things that i saw in in recent history on on twitter they um, just so recently props caught a to lot the devils. of they just recently caught a lot of acclaim for being one of the better twitter followers for our team the one thing that shocked me with the he thing is he's bringing sticks with him can't the guy get sticks in the united states does he have to travel from switzerland to new jersey with hockey sticks they may be the sticks that he was training with in the offseason and he got oh, comfortable with them stop. And he likes them stop they're hey. gonna break 
they're gonna break on a slap shot anyway in in two days. Uh, all right, all right, all right. So you're you're saying sports players are not superstitious? Superstition is one thing, but uh, are you are you kidding me? Th- this coming from a guy who says never shave on game day. He's gonna break those sticks in in the ten day training camp. I think stick is a little bit different. If he was if he was on a hot streak scoring with a stick, that's one thing. You're not even preseason training. You're off season training with sticks. I don't maybe think he, that maybe his girlfriend rubbed them for luck or something. Well, maybe. Maybe. Could happen. Or his grandmother or something like that. You don't know. You don't know the backstory. They would rub them differently, right? The grandmother and the girlfriend probably would rub the sticks differently. <laughs> I would I would I would think so. I, so, I so what are you proposing, Steve? You want to, you want to lock him out over this? Or are you just fed up with him for the for trying to take hockey? I don't think he should be the captain. If you got to travel with sticks, you don't get to be the captain. Fair enough. <laughs> You're basically just a bag boy at that point. Well, maybe, the Devils, maybe the Devils don't have enough money. Maybe they're one of the ownerships to where that uh, they have to they worry about have things like that. Some of the richest owners in the game. Billionaires fighting millionaires, right? Yeah. That was it. And there's just a whole lot of, like I said, NCAA games being canceled, seasons being pushed back. Two guys. On the the team on the world junior team that Holtz is going to play on, they had another two guys test positive. They might have to pull out of the tournament completely. Coach, coach, multiple players. They're saying they might not even make the trip. Four team Sweden and uh, Rangers prospect number one center Carl Hendrickson was the center on that line with with Alexander Holtz and Lucas Raymond. That would have been a formidable number one line for Sweden going up against anybody really in the World Juniors. But I, I think that I mean Canada's loaded, um, and I, I I don't I don't think there were a lot of teams that were going to put up much of a fight against them this year. But with that line, I think Sweden could have done something. But you've seen it happen in the World Juniors. They get to overtime. You know, in the knockout rounds, you get to overtime, you get through overtime, then it's a shootout. Then all bets are off. It doesn't matter who, you know, all bets are off. Definitely sure. teams, the less talented team has definitely won those games. No, I, I, I agree 100%. But I think we can all agree that Team Canada was was loaded for sure. Yeah. Or is, for that matter, is so I just expect now the the guys coming back from overseas, are, we're just going to see more and more and more as the week goes on. Billy, what happened with the Penguins this week? Oh, so much. So, so much. <laughs> it has really been just a uh, just a riveting offseason for them, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Um, yeah, so a couple things. that Like, uh, back to the World Junior Tournament, uh, uh, we had just gotten the news this week, and who knows what's going to happen with that tournament whatsoever, but uh, the Penguins got a couple of kids named to uh, to a couple of rosters, so Joel Blomquist for Finland, goaltender, and uh, and another goaltender for Sweden, and he's got the best goaltender name maybe ever, Kali Klang. Ah. So. Oh, that last name, that last name has a ring to it. Um, you, you actually just spurred something in my brain. I saw ESPN is doing the, the top 100 best hockey names, and they're doing it in a bracket tree system. And I, I made sure to find one name on there. Zarly Zalapsky is a six seed, by the way. That's just wild, because out there. He, he's going to come up later in the show. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Of course he is. Um, <laughs> just, just saying. So, uh, so besides those kids, uh, uh, there was a signing for the uh, AHL. Uh, he's going to start over in Wilkes-Barre, and then uh, might they, they might share him a little bit with Scranton uh, a bit later on. Uh, but Jordan Nolan is uh, is now a member of those uh, baby penguins. So Jordan Nolan, of course, uh, son of uh, famous uh, former head coach Ted Nolan. And also a, a couple of times Stanley Cup uh, winner, or, uh, you know, he had some role. His name's on the cup twice for uh, the LA Kings in 2012-2014. Uh, uh, so signed him up to provide some some toughness, some leadership. He's 
He's not on that on the kind of contract. I'm not a real contract guy. Don't know how those work, but but he didn't sign the kind of contract where the Penguins can call him up. He's an AHL guy. I don't think anybody on this podcast remember either the 2012 or 2014 Stanley Cup final. Fair enough. I, I think they beat the Devils in one, no, and they beat no, the Rangers no, in the other. No, I don't other. think. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, along with the fuck the Flyers, we want to say fuck Alec Martinez too. By the way. Well, you can say that. Um, yes, I can say that. And then my last little story for the Penguins this week is a little bit juicy. So uh, the TSN Canada reporting a, a story that a former uh, Wilkes-Barre assist, Penguins assistant coach, Jared Scald, filed a, a, a lawsuit against the Penguins for wrongful uh, termination after he blew the whistle on a former head coach who had um, uh, sexually assaulted his wife um that's what they're claiming so was it martin I brodeur i don't judge these things I, hey. I, I don't know what happened but you know uh the, the, billy garen was named in it as somebody who was like sweeping things under the rug a little bit and wow. and so uh controversy and things uh happening down in in wilkes-barre and and uh scranton's just relieved that it has nothing to do with them Sister-in-law fucking is way different than spousal abuse. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, way different. Just saying. And so, so that is the week for the Penguins. All right, I guess I'll go. Pretty quiet week for the Isles. A few notable things. Um, I think one of the biggest things that's been going on, which really you guys probably don't give a crap about, but the uh, building probably is, right. is getting, getting closer and closer to looking like a real arena. Um, I was just reading an article it was, they were from a couple of days ago. They are putting up the uh, platforms for the uh, the train stop, which will help get people to Belmont uh, very easily, you know, much like uh, you get to The Rock um, or to uh, MSG. Um, it'd be really nice to have that the ability to get to the game. I mean, if, if you guys have done that too. You guys have both been to your respective stadiums, or both stadiums, really. Is that um, is that Long Island Railroad? Yeah. And how far past City Field is that? Uh, good question. Oh, I'm, like, it, I know it's, it's a nowhere, different line, but like, yeah, it's nowhere near City Field. So we're by yeah. Coney. It's past Coney Island yeah. and JFK Airport. I'll have to look at the map. I'm not even sure. I haven't been on it in a while, but uh, how, well, anyway, how long, uh, if you take the train to Penn Station, New York, how far from mm-hmm. there to get out to Belmont? 30 minutes? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I'm okay. not sure. I have to look it up on the, on the, on the, I haven't really ridden, 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 I haven't ridden the, the LIR in a while. He's so um, North last... Carolina now. I haven't rodent. I haven't rodent that train yet. I have rode it. Is no, where's, where's the train? Rick where's the Roden. tractor? <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking Rick They got barbecue on this train. Sports thing. <laughs> y'all, y'all got some earwax in y'all ears. <laughs> um so anyway uh yeah the uh that's looking it's getting there and we're scheduled to play you know pretty soon the year so looking good and does that um, stadium look normal or does it look like barclays <laughs> inside it with blind spots for hockey. <laughs> <laughs> it's built for hockey so i mean i I'm hope the, so i'm at the outside yeah it looks it looks like uh a, a pretty like you know, squarish, okay. you know, normal building. looks like a normal building. Anyway. So, uh, that's going on. And, uh, Oliver Walsham has been back since from injury. He's had a couple goals this past week and assist in a few games. Um, looking like he's picked right back up from where he was after he had that nasty, uh, tumble into the boards and was out for a few weeks with a shoulder injury. Other than that, you know, we're going to have some guys start getting called back too. Uh, Oh, last thing was, uh, you guys mentioned team Sweden. Um, Isles, uh, uh, 2019, um, first world draft pick was, uh, Simon Holmstrom and he was, uh, 
supposed to be on the Sweden team or on the camp. At least he was invited to the camp. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Who knows if that team gets ravaged and they don't they play some guys or they don't play at all. Who knows? Um, so I'll be watching that too to see what if he end, if they end up even playing and if he, they do if you know if he can make the team. Right. If it's because of injury or because I'm or because you know injury because of uh, COVID nineteen or because you know he makes the team flat out or or not. So it'll be interesting to see. Pretty quiet week. Uh, over in Rangerland, pretty quiet week as well. Um, there's lots of World Juniors news, um, especially with Larry Brooks putting the article out uh, about uh, Lafreniere and Kako not playing in the World Juniors for Canada and Finland. And JD basically saying, we don't want them to get injured. It's, it's, it's really that simple. We've invested a lot of time and effort, and we want them in camp ready to go. Uh, Carl Hendrickson, as mentioned before, is out as the number one center for Team Sweden uh, between Lucas Raymond and Alex Alexander Holt would have been really good. And today uh, reports Matthew Robertson is unfit to play for Team Canada has been asked to leave with four other players. Now it's a non-hockey related decision and there's no confirmation of any uh, COVID cases, um, but he was classified as unfit to play. He did, there were reports that he was struggling in the first couple exhibition games. But more on that, hopefully, in the next coming days to where it will be revealed that it was a, a, a COVID-19 positive case. Because those uh, unfit to play is kind of leaves a lot of question marks in the air for sure. One other thing came out from the NHL is that their odds-on favorite for the Calder Tr- Cup came out this year for the upcoming season. And the two top players on that list were New York Rangers uh, players with uh, Alexei Lafreniere and Igor Shosturkin, both eligible and will be rookies this year. Now, I did did some research for the past oh, one, two, three, four, seven years of people who were supposed to win versus who actually won. And four out of the three uh, were different. So we'll see at the end of this year if either of those guys wins the Calder. Uh, but last year, Cal McCarr was supposed to win it and he did. You what? Four out of the three? Four out of the three? Yeah, we're different. Or four, four out, out of the seven. seven. Four out of seven. I'm, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I, it was four. It was three that were, yeah, that my brain got all jart all, all jumped like with my mouth right now got all jumbled up hopefully it's COVID 19 or else uh, or else it, it doesn't seem right that you would you know uh get all confused like that so we're, we're do, just gonna hope for a positive uh, do, result but, there do you know ryan strom was 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 the odds on favorite to win the calder the year really? nathan mckinnon won it yeah, I couldn't believe that either. He really? was the odds-on favorite. Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. the other two times where the odds-on favorite actually won was Austin Matthews, and the year prior to that was Artemi Panarin. A lot of uh, rookie talk, a lot of world juniors. It's really all the only thing that's been going on uh, for the past week until yesterday happened, last night and this morning, where they have a finally agreed on the financial aspect of things, and now they are rocking and rolling, and things are, are starting to come out sporadically about what's going to happen for next year. A lot of these things affect not only the teams that were in the playoffs last year, but the teams that were not in the playoffs last year and have an adverse effect on them as well. And let, let's get into a couple of these things. So first off, J- January 13th is the new target start date with a 56-game season uh, that will end around the beginning of May and the Stanley Cup will be awarded uh, between the end of June and the beginning of July. I believe as we talked about uh, last week with regards to the NHL won everything or NBC wanted to finish everything before the Olympics would have started. That is right in their timeline. Now, getting back to training camps, they were saying 
on or about January 1st is when teams would report to training camps, have a 10-day camp, no exhibition games, right into it. Now, the seven teams that did not make the playoffs last year were supposed to have an extra week. They're not. Steve, what are your thoughts on that? I'm annoyed that they're not getting a little bit extra, but at the same point, I don't think it would make that much of a difference after after nine months, another week of skating isn't going to make a big difference. Plus, as soon as these guys get to their cities, they're going to start skating together. Maybe not formal practices, but they're going to start skating together. So I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. I tend to agree with you. They got, a, they got more than a month. By the time they get here, they quarantine, they start skating, they all start getting together. I think, uh, I think you're right about that uh everybody is in the kind of in the same boat whether you whether you stop skating in july or august or whether you stop skating in march it's still been a hell of a long time since you've been together organized on your team going through all this stuff getting prepared for the season how how many practices did they have in the return to play before the game started uh it was probably about a week so and weeks then worth they of had practices and then a week's worth of getting swept. The Rangers only really skated twice. Well, they had an ex- they had a, they had an exhibition game in between there too. So at least they got four full games and about a week of of additional skating. So really, but still, we're only talking about then two and a half a week. It, it, it was two. Yeah, it was about two weeks. So it was about two weeks. I think you were. I think you're right on 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 the button with that. Not that much difference. No, not that much difference at all. What was interesting to me though is there's some concern whether the AHL is going to start in early February and what are the rosters going to look like, especially with with COVID protocols and safety protocols that they're going to have. Some things that they're looking at right now is having taxi squads, having expanded rosters, and the expanded rosters and the taxi squads don't are may or may not count against your cap, which is I think should happen. Uh, that way, if if your your team does get hit with the COVID bug, you have players that are ready uh, and uh, you know ready. Ready to to step in that night, uh, so you don't have to. Hopefully, don't have to postpone games. So I like that. It gives people an opportunity to be with the big clubs uh, at least until the AHL schedule starts. There's a lot of things that obviously need to be hashed out. There is a call with the board of governors scheduled for Wednesday at four o'clock tomorrow. So hopefully things get approved by the board of governors tomorrow, and we start hearing things in in a very short matter after that. Just want to touch on that. I think that those players on the taxi squad they shouldn't be allowed to practice with everybody else. They should have to practice separately, almost like they would if they were in, in on an AHL club. It also helps prevent them that if there is some sort of outbreak on the team, they're practicing at a different time, not with those guys. They would be less likely to be. Yeah, I can see that. I can make, but they're probably in the same building, but probably skate uh, the hour before that the rest of the team skates, something like that. Yeah, but you want. Yeah, you together, want them in the same area. Together, not at the no. same practice. Different bubble. Yeah. So they shouldn't. They shouldn't be skating an hour before. They should be like skating in a different practice rank altogether, just or, in another part of town. Or one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Hours. Hours in between. So that way they can go in and clean and clean sterilize out, and do right. all those things. Okay. I mean, hey, look, I, that's fair to me. Um, we we have no saying in it. Well, we know, know that, right? that the powers that be do listen to us. They they absolutely they have do. taken our recommendations in the past. I, I I could not agree with you more. They have, although I can't cite one thing. The multiple outdoor games. Ah, uh, yes, we did. We did. We we certainly have talked about that for sure. But uh, but there is a lot of excitement. There's a lot of buzz. There is no more waiting anymore. Uh, part of the agenda that I did send out yesterday was. 
still waiting, question mark, question mark. But that certainly got me in a better mood for today. Uh, at least knowing that we didn't start this podcast on a canceled season is one thing. Uh, and two, that uh, there is going to be hockey this year. Um, I think we're, we're, we're all, all really excited. Now this is going to be the, this is the log that breaks the, the, the old lob jam, right? In the, in the river. Um, that things are going to start to happen now. You're going to start to see the Barzell contract be be finalized. You're going to start seeing players traded out of Tampa Bay. You're going to start seeing some movement from teams who have to get cap compliant. There's And there's a ton of them that are over the cap right now. So it's going to be a very, very busy couple of weeks leading up to training camps. It's going to be a very exciting time once training camps happen. I'm just... I'm just very excited about all this. And I want to hear everybody else's excitement and enthusiasm. I'm very excited. Yay. <laughs> Yay. I mean, you you, um, guys, are, you, you yeah. guys are are just the best guys in the world. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it, it's great um, to see movement. I just wish that they decided not to do this place, you know, pissing match for so long just to come to the agreement that they're not going to make any changes to the financials. I feel like they could have done that more amicably, but we are where we are. And now we're going to go through the whole game of trying to make sure that they, they work out the rest of the details without, you know, too much of a delay. I think we've seen some different dates all over the place, you know, mid-January. Uh, I've seen February 1st. You know, we'll see. It's got all rumors at this point until we, we get some actual, you know, pad to paper with all the details that they're trying to work out. But, you know, it's going to be an exciting, uh, you know, couple of weeks. We'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, by the end of the week, we're going to see en masse players heading back to their their teams, you know, from overseas. I mean, I think we've already started to see any players start to be recalled. Have you guys, did, did someone mention that? Was somebody recalled already or no? Just yeah, from Steve overseas, did. they're starting to get recalled. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what I was saying. But uh, yeah. But well, anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Excited to see what happens with Barzi. Hope his contract's not going to kill us, and then hopefully fill out, have enough money to sign another uh, defenseman. That's my, that's my hope. So getting, you know, you know, I think the funny thing is we've been talking about offseason stuff for so long now. It's kind of like whew, it's getting long in the tooth. I just want to get to. Uh, talking about uh some lines and things and finalizing the, the actual look of this league for the this season so yeah and hey that guy looks good that, that guy looks good in camp man i can't wait to see him <laughs> on the ice or hey he's gonna make the club and you know i, right. I can't wait for all that too you're you're uh, you're 100 right is andy green still on their radar so the word is that um few players are being signed that they've essentially signed a deal but they haven't announced it yet until the barzal deal is, is made official or maybe even that they get word like why would you sign these guys for a year if there's no season yeah um so more maybe that's more likely the scenario they're waiting for the season to be you know officially on so um matt martin Corey schneider as a backup goalie in the ahl andy green those three are the ones that everyone's pretty convinced are already signed essentially there was some maybe brassard uh might may may or may not um come back uh he I think he will. He should come back cheap, and he looks pretty okay. And now that we have a real third-line center that's taking his spot, I mean, essentially, he's a, not a bad guy to have. And it sounds like from the, what we were seeing is there's there's talk of even expanding the the overall um, what was a number of, of, of uh, roster spots to from 23 to 26 was on the table. So that could be a possibility with COVID. They may just have to carry more guys. And having a few extra vets like Versar would not be a bad thing. So if we could Big fit him in. Big game brass. Yeah. 
So we'll see. What are you, Billy? How are you, how are you feeling? I'm excited. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, hockey coming back. Look, one thing, though, you know, that, that I think you guys have heard me say a bunch, but our listening audience probably hasn't heard me say yet, is uh, that uh, I, I hate the NHL. Absolutely despise this league. They're so poorly run. Can, can uh, I ask you a question? Is there a league that you do like? I, I, I that, that is a good question. I, I, well, the only other sport I really follow is baseball. Right, because you've written off you've written so. off football because it's too it's much of a yeah um, exactly. But look, I mean, but uh, but I love this you know I love the sport of hockey and and the NHL delivers that you know and so when they come back, I am back and uh, and this this was nothing you know uh, in the grand scheme of things the shenanigans they've pulled uh, delaying this announcement a, a few days because they're because the owners are making this desperate money grab uh, to see what they can you know get out of the players i mean th- this is this is kind of par for the course we're past it great let's play some hockey that's that's how i feel excited game on as game on. as they once said and i i could not agree with you more very exciting um this will be an exciting week finally we get an exciting week not a make or break week we get an exciting week of uh, agreements and really the plan being put together so by the time we do our 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 podcast next week we should have a full hopefully have a full understanding of what the season is actually going to look like and time frames. Um, now there's one caveat to all of this and that's COVID and COVID could really de- you know, derail uh, everything and, and put the start of the season out until the beginning of February, as Nick mentioned earlier um, and shorten the season considerably down from 56 to maybe 48, 42 games. Um, so that, is kind of still on the table and it's, it's, it's a waiting game. And, you know, Bill Shakespeare over in the UK got his uh, COVID vaccine this morning. And uh, he was a, he was an old guy I read in the paper that he was a, like an 87 year old guy. His name name happened to be William Shakespeare. And he was one of the first two old people to receive the COVID vaccine. So we'll see what happens. Anybody, I, I left that air there for a second. Um, <laughs> Do we oh, want? Oh no! Oh no! We left dead air there for a second. <laughs> Boy, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, can't. That was the fucking guy's name. What do you want from me? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's cute. It's real cute. But you know, I think I think all the, the problem with this whole thing, right, is every single all the sports leagues are going to be watching this, and I think they're obviously the NBA and NHL are, are going to be really gearing up, and just as things are exploding here, NFL's you know, already been feeling it, but they're going to be winding down soon. They're, they're getting closer, closer to the end of the season. So they're just trying to get it done. They get, once they get, they get to the playoffs. I mean, they can really like the teams will be very, you'd imagine the teams would be try to be very strict with their player personnels, you know, traveling and, you know, partying and really be like, pro- most likely, except for the Steelers, they'll probably all get COVID and, and miss the playoffs. But, you know, the, I'm just saying that the rest of the team, the league will probably, um, you know, be restricted about it. Compared to say the, uh, the the NHL and NBA were just starting and they have to figure out how to keep a league going for this entire time and it doesn't sound like they're gonna do they could do the bubble still I guess in some sort of capacity but they have to figure out also <clears throat> all the logistics that we've kind of like not talked too much about a little bit we, we touched on the can- the Canadian border and how they're gonna keep the teams in Canada I guess you know we'll see how that works out with. Uh, travel uh, embargo is it travel uh, travel restrictions between mm-hmm. the two countries so that's a problem if you can't leave i mean they're gonna have to keep the team um, keep that, that entire division thing thing. we're gonna hear about yeah that's a big one like how logistically do they handle this now well you there was two things yeah there was sorry, two yeah. things i read today um with regards to that was 
there is Vancouver and Calgary have their AHL affiliates in the U S and they're not going to bring their AHL affiliates to Canada. They're going to keep them in the U S. So I don't know how that's going to go with back and forth with quarantine and calling up players from the AHL and all that other stuff. Again, we'll find out uh, more, more detail. Another thing that I've read as well as there is a percentage of, of buildings that could open up and have a number of fans be in the stands to watch the game and get a gate for the game. But in order to do that, there is paying security. There is paying the concessions. There is paying the, the people for the, um, for the memorabilia. There's shirt sales. There's, you know, parking people, there's ticket takers. There's all these other peoples that they have to pay. And does the amount of people that are coming into the building is there enough money in there to, to even allow fans to, to even come in with the money, amount of money that has to go out? So there's, there's lots of things that, that are going to be talked about in the next, in the next couple of weeks. But I thought those were very interesting articles and very interesting things to be brought up. Just because you can have fans in your building, owners may not want to have them there because of the cost of operations to, uh, within the building itself. So I thought that was very interesting. So we'll keep an eye on that in the, in the next couple of weeks for sure. There's There's got to be some cost to having the, the the entire game there's got to be some kind of fixed cost to to having to having an event at the arena but all those other costs of the parking people and security and concessions and etc that should all just be proportional to the amount of people that they let in there's no reason they need to have the full staff there if they're going to have yeah, 10 percent of capacity of, of fans so I, I can't see that being that big of a, a hurdle just no I don't, I don't and i don't think it's a hurdle i just think it's something that needs to be hashed out uh, between, uh, you know, on the, at the club level themselves, whether they're going to allow fans or not. That's all. So they just have to weigh their options and see, you know, if if that makes sense. Obviously, having fans in the building, I mean, even if it costs you some money or if you if you break even, I think you should do it anyway. Just that's that's just me. That's just from the fans' perspective. That's not from a business person's perspective for sure. So, from a business perspective, the longer you give a customer a chance to break his habit, the more likely it is they are to break the habit. So, if people get in the habit of not going to games, the odds of them coming back decrease significantly. And I'm not talking about the diehard fan. I'm talking about the occasional two games a year person. That so not, they really not, the, count on. not give me a D guy. Then. No, no, not oh. give, no, definitely not give me a D guy. He is he is going to be there. Yeah, Dance and Larry will be there for sure if he's allowed to, for sure. <laughs> Do the Islanders have a super fan at their games? Oh, we saw this guy. His name was not uh, Nick. Gold. His name's Gold. Was Goldie? It was Nick. No, <laughs> he's like. You probably saw him actually, Steve. If you've been to a Devil's Isles game, he was the this guy, big overweight, not huge overweight, but like he's you know, a hockey fan. Middle... I'm gonna say hockey fan. Hockey <laughs> yeah, fan, middle aged, <laughs> middle aged hockey fan. He had this this gold like um, wig thing he'd oh, wear okay. and his, his hat. Yep. And he was so obnoxious. And he, he'd be, you know, even if I'd be like watching the Isles at the Devils game, uh, the Devils game, he'd be there, you know, and people would be like bone him, tell him to shut up and go, go F off. You know, he wasn't like getting, he was just like every time he a goal happened, he'd turn around and be like, oh, oh you know, okay. make a big deal about it. Not like just to like stand up and get all excited. But in the middle of the game, you know, he'd be standing up and doing all so sorts gold, of gold, gold wig was his shtick. He wore a gold wig. I mean, we call him Goldie, um, you know, and you saw him everywhere at the games. But uh, honestly, I'm sure there's there's always the people. You know how it goes. There's always yeah. people at the games that are always the 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 um, rally crowd up. Yeah. They got him here, and I I don't know the guys at this point there now. But that was Goldie was the one that I always remember because 
he traveled. He was always there, and you're just like, God, look at this guy. <laughs> Give us a bad fucking name. Sit down, you know. You know, he was our asshole, I guess. The, the Yankees had the bang the plate guy, right? Oh yeah, no, it was it a plate or was it? I thought it was a bell or bell? something like that. Cowbell? It was a bell. I think it no, was a cowbell. No, the Mets had the cowbell guy. No, it was a, it was the old guy with yeah, the bell that, that you a, ring. No, I think it was a plate, and you would bang on it with a spoon. It was a, but it was a metal plate. A metal plate, yeah. It was I, a metal plate. You banged yeah. on it with the spoon. Might have even been a pot. Maybe. Oh. Maybe. It was some kitchen thing. He's oh, whatever it was. He's fertilizer right creep. now. Who cares? Oh my yeah. goodness gracious! Good He's fertilizer right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Hate those people. Is that guy that used the, the devil's chant still there? Yeah. Yeah, it's the give me the D guy. He took a hiatus, give but he's been D. back a lot more in the last couple of years. Give me a V. Uh, I love that guy. He's so loud. It's amazing. I think he got jealous because they were starting to bring in uh, the putty character from Seinfeld. They were bringing him to games more. <laughs> and the give like, me a D guy was here. like, no, no, this is my shtick. This is me. I'm doing this. <laughs> he's just drowning his sorrows with, uh, with the fireman Ed. Yeah. Rejected All for different him. reasons. <laughs> Rejected unofficial mascots club. <laughs> Didn't he retire because the team was just terrible yeah, he, and he just couldn't couldn't take it anymore? Back. He'll be back. Oh, you're talking about fire. I thought fire, you were talking about no. the Jets defensive coordinator. Oh, because he just couldn't oh, take it anymore. Oh, oh okay. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Too soon? Let's not Steve? Talk. Can we not, Steve, too soon? Can we not, I'm sorry, buddy. Let's not let's not talk to the Jets in this in this podcast. I really Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I, re- I really man. made the mistake of turning the game off and going, Wow, the Jets finally won a game. <laughs> So you know, as a Jets fan, that never happens. Okay, let's move on to the next topic. Yeah, let's no, let's let's oh, blitz him with five seconds left to go. That that'll that'll fool him. So, Bill, what was the best trade or free agent <sighs> signing the Penguins made there in the nineties? Well, uh, the best trade was, and this is where uh, Tom had mentioned Zarley Zalapsky before, and I'm going to mention him again. This is so great. Every time I get to mention Zarley Zalapsky, as Tom said, what a great name. I mean. Uh, I could do this all day. I'm probably going to try to find a way to slip Zarley Zlapsky into every podcast from now on. Um, but yeah, best uh, trade for the Penguins uh, before uh, right around 1990 or early in 1990 or the 1991 season. Uh, John Cullen, Zarley Zlapsky, and Jeff Parker were shipped to um, the Hartford Whalers uh, in, in exchange for Ron Francis, Ulf Samuelson, and Grant Jennings. Um, that was a good one. Yeah, that was good. Hartford was just, I mean, they were asleep at the wheel, man, with the talent that passed through. They could have been a Stanley Cup contender with the talent that just passed through that city that they just traded away for for no good reason whatsoever. But yeah, probably none better than than Ron Francis, Hall of Fame center. Um, and and Alfie Samuelson uh, provided so much toughness um, on the blue line. I mean, it, it it was you know not a coincidence that they that they made that trade and then won back to back championships. I mean they. They had Lemieux, you know, uh, prior to that, and and but it was not it was not culminating into into any uh, long playoff runs until they made that trade. So, what about yeah. a free agent signing? Uh, best free agent signing then, uh, right around obviously the same time uh, in the 1990s, uh, was Brian Trottier. So when Trottier wrapped up his career with the Islanders, uh, apparently from what I heard, they they offered him a front office job. They assumed his career was over as a player, and he uh, 
did not take uh, the front office job and he decided instead to become the third line center for that Penguins team uh, for the next two seasons and, and adding a couple of more Stanley Cups to his resume. Uh, yeah, he provided a lot of stability in that third line role. And, and I mean, you could just imagine, you know, you, you, you get through the talent of a Lemieux and a, and a Yager and et cetera, and the, and the wings they had playing out there, Kevin Stevens and whoever else. And, and then there you have on, on the, on the third line, one of the great scorers in the history of the sport. Yeah. Okay. A little bit older, but I mean, third line guy, tremendous free agent signing for them. And, and another thing that led to those cups. Boy, what a, he was a, uh, uh, undoubtedly a great player, Brian Trache, but I think we'd all agree. He was the worst head coach ever. Rangers had him for a little while. And that was, oof. He lasted a half a season. That was brutal. He was a mole. <laughs> is, is that what it was? Is that what it was? That's when he was with the Islanders front office. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess speaking about the New York Rangers, I'll go next. And I, 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 I overdid it as usual. So, so best trades. Um, I mean, it's it's the obvious one. In uh, October 4th of 1991, Mark Messier and future considerations for Lou DeBrusque, Bernie Nichols, Stephen Rice, and future considerations that turned to David Shaw. By the way, the future considerations that came over from Edmonton with Messier was Jeff Bukaboo. And that directly led to, to Messier's tenure with the Rangers, his first tenure with the Rangers, uh, which led to a Stanley Cup and really, you know, solidified the talent and the uh, and the experience and the greatness that that they needed in order to win that championship. I also did the worst trade and and there were a plenty of them. I mean, you can look at either one of the Peter Nedved trades, either coming or going, and it they they were they were awful. The Glenn Anderson for Mike Gartner deal was was god awful. But the worst one was actually and something happened before that. Um and the Rangers offer sheet to Joe Sackick. Uh when Colorado matched that, the Rangers panicked and then they traded a 90, 1998 second round pick and future considerations and a 2000, a, a 2000 conditional pick that was never exercised for Pat LaFontaine and LaFontaine, they were just getting damaged goods with him. And, you know, Steve has always mentioned when, when, when you don't make a deal or when something doesn't happen, you panic and you make a wrong move. And that was the wrong move for the Rangers because they brought in Pat LaFontaine who was a hit away from retirement. And that hit actually, came from his own goddamn teammate and Mike Keene. So that was the worst one. Um, with regards to free agent signings, uh, it was Wayne Gretzky without question. It, well, it, it was, I actually had one, one a between Adam Graves, who was actually an offer sheet signee that the Rangers actually got in 1991, who turned into, you know, 50 goal scorer has his number retired. But I think when you sign Wayne Gretzky to your team, um, it has to be one of the premier signings. And, and that 97 season was just an incredible season watching Messier and Gretzky on one and second line centers and uh, bringing them all the way to the conference final. And if they didn't get injured, who knows what the, what happened against Philadelphia. They had a lot of pl- key players going down in that, in that run with Ruth, with Kovalev and Nicholas Sundstrom and, and, uh, and a couple other players. They had uh, Russ Courtnall was the, uh, was the right wing for Messier and, and Graves in that playoff series. And um, it was uh, it was just too much to overcome. Worst, Valerie Kamensky. He was the, without question the worst free agent signing of the 1990s. He came over with with so much so much hubbub and playing on the line with uh, Valerie uh, playing on the line with Joe Sackick and 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 scoring all those goals. And it was just a, an utter disaster to bring him in. And he got bought out. Um, 
the, the following year. Actually, with Joe Sackick, if the Rangers did sign him in that year, he scored 63 points uh, on 64 games. But three years later, he had 54 goals and 64 assists for 118 points in that 2000-2001 season. Oh, what could have been if the Rangers signed, uh, if, if Joe Sackick didn't have his uh, offer sheet countered by the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, boy, oh, boy. You just can't, you just can't pin your hopes on picking up a, a guy off an offer sheet like that. It's just, it, it is bad planning because if you want him that bad, so is the team that he's coming from. No, I, I, I agree. And you, you, you know, even last year when we saw with Sebastian Ajo, when he got the offer sheet from Montreal, that Carolina was going to match regardless. Yep. If a bar, if an offer sheet came into Barzell, Lou made it very clear that he was going to match it no matter what the offer was. So um, if you want a team that bad, odds are the team that he's on, they want him just as bad or more. So I agree. But man, can you imagine that, that team? <laughs> just having Joe Sackick on the Rangers would have been incredible, but it wasn't meant to be. Nick? So I looked up, I actually was looking through a lot of the 90s drafts or drafts um, uh, trades and it's uh <laughs> because we're in the 90s I, I miss out on a lot of the really bad really bad trades um but you know it's funny i was looking through it and i think really the the best trade that you know we made was probably you know the, the rebuild trade um you know trading away lafontaine and a few other players for pierre turgeon benoit hogue Louis krupp those three were part of the kind of the, the retooling and trading LaFontaine at the time was pretty big, big deal. He was the face of the franchise, but um, you know, he had a great season, you know, one great season in, in Buffalo and, and in injuries, but uh, which really derailed his career. But um, that was, I feel like the best, really the biggest best trade we made um, acquiring Steve Thomas for aging Brent Sutter was pretty good, but you know, that was part of the like the, the pieces they started to put together to, to retool the team um, in the early 90s. But really, it was very – not a lot of good stuff that happened after really the whole decade. It was really pretty much after the 1993 season and the cup run, it really was not very memorable. Um, and then I looked at back, it's really the, the worst trade. Um, we just, we just missed out on all the, the, all the really, really bad trades, by the way. All the Millberry trades are all – like well, we're, we're getting 2000. to those in the next couple of episodes. <laughs> so don't you worry. Yeah. You will have yeah. your time to shine. Don't worry, oh, Zidane Chara. Don't worry. Yeah. It's coming. We'll have to carve think... out a half hour for Nick for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's that? What's, what's worse, Roberto Luongo or was it Zidane Chara? Or was we'll, it... we'll save that for next week, man. That's the next week. Um, I think the trading Palfi away was brutal because he was such a fan favorite. He was like the only guy to really – at the time, we really we didn't want to like trading away the best player, the most exciting player is it's really hard and you know to deal with, especially after they had traded away Churjan, you know, years back, and then we get Ziggy comes around and we trade him away, and it's like it's brutal. It's really brutal when you you trade away your best players. Um, and they did get Oli Jokinen in the first round. Uh, they tra- they they ended up uh, acquiring the '99 um, first round pick, which is a, from from LA, which is a the number eight overall. They ended up with Taylor Pyatt, who really didn't didn't really do much for us. Matthew Byron was also on part of the trade, but it it it, it was a big it, no matter how what assets we got in that 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 trade and Deal Jokinen ended up going, you know, uh, as part of the uh the trade for um uh, with Luongo, you know, that was which didn't work out very well for the Isles, as we'll find out next week. Just trading away your your franchise player is is never good and it's it's hard you know ask ask boston how it went for you know trading away uh i mean it didn't really matter i guess from in the long scheme in the grand scheme of things trading joe thornton away for pieces that didn't really do much for them but 
he stole some cups, but whatever. Screw those guys. Uh, anyway, so uh, that's it, man. I think those are the two. Free agency, I didn't really look at the free agents because I, I really couldn't remember the free agent stuff. And I actually had our time kind of looking it up to really re- jog my memory of who actually signed with us. And that was really important, to be honest. I, I agree. Um, I had a hard time, too. Yeah, It was only it, in the late 90s where that came more yeah. of a thing where there was – yeah, I agree. You know, it just – it wasn't – it's funny we we thinking about it, but like really tr- there was a lot more trades back then. You know, we had how many freaking rounds of the draft? You know, like 13 rounds or whatever it was back in the 90s. It was a lot. Yeah. Early 90s, I should say. So I'm, I don't have any good free agencies to go through, bad, good and bad, just because I don't really – it was not memorable. So I just said, you know, F it. Next week, if we, we can do the 2000s, they'll, they'll, that'll definitely pick up. I think we'll have some good ones in there for, for all of our teams. So uh, that was that was there was a lot of despair in the early ni- in the early 2000s for the New York Rangers. So we'll definitely be with you on that one, Steve. My best trade and my best free agent signing actually bookend the decade. So the best trade they had of the decade of the 90s was uh, actually on draft day 1990. They traded a first and a second to Calgary for a first and two seconds. Calgary moved from number 20 up to number 11, and with the number 11 pick, they got Trevor Kidd. The Devils dropped from number 11 to number 20, and with number 20, they got Martin Brodeur, who was the third the third ranked goalie that year behind Kidd and Felix Potvin. And I would say that that right there is a franchise-making trait. Now, everybody knows I am not the biggest Brodeur fan, attributing a lot of his success to playing behind the, the players that he did, but you still can't take away what he did for his career. And for best free agent happening at the end of the decade, it's actually, for me, in my mind, it's a tie between two. They're both actually undrafted free agent signings. The first one was Brian Rafalski, who, they, who at the time was playing over over in Finland, he was actually ranked the best player not playing in the NHL at the time. And they signed him June 18th, 1999. Uh, two years prior to that, they signed John Madden, who they actually discovered while watching, uh, while they were scouting Brendan Morrison, because Brendan Morrison was a draft pick that they had that was playing at Michigan. While they were watching him play, they kept seeing John Madden make stellar play after stellar play, and they realized he was undrafted. As soon as he graduated, they jumped in and signed him. So th- those are my two, you know, he won, he was they were both on the uh, 2000 and 2003 cup teams. Um, I didn't realize this, but Rafalski actually finished in the top 15 in Norris Trophy voting like four times in his career. I never really thought of him as, as that caliber defenseman that he would garner that much uh, respect from the voters. Um, Was it Were they all with the Devils or with the, with the, no, with the all Wings? No, all with the Devils. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Madden would go on to win a Selkie Trophy one year and then be a finalist for two other years while he's with the team. So those two are my best free agent signs. Top 15 is nothing special in the Norris Trophy voting. I mean, James Patrick was number 16 both times, I think. James Patrick was an outstanding defenseman, and that's a Devils fan saying that. <laughs> Nor- when you think Norris Trophy, you do not think Brian Rafalski. No, never did. I. Yeah, you're 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 100 right about that. So Steve, did uh, so is is Scott Stevens' case? Is he basically he's kind of neither? How he got to the to the Devils? Yeah, is basically arbitration. It, yeah, I wouldn't consider it a free agency or a trade. Yeah, that was yeah that huh. was compensation. He was awarded. Yeah, he was compensation. I'm surprised you didn't I go with Niedermeyer though. I was thinking of those too. 
I, I was thinking Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer was a uh, was a draft pick that was traded to the Devils for a, really a no name. Right. I, I figured but, I figured you would have went there, but I but, look. I get Brodor. I do. But and and it's almost it's more along the lines of here is a team that wanted to go from twenty to eleven to take a player, and look who they could have had at number twenty. So it's almost more the foresight and the and the trust that the Devils Devils leadership had to say, you know what, we'll we'll give you Trevor Kid, we'll stand pat here, we'll take this French Canadian kid. We think he could be pretty good. Almost French Canadian like goaltenders by the Flames. Yes, agreed. Nineteen other teams passed on him as well. And as for I, I did have I did come up with a worse trade, and it it's not that it was a bad trade. It's just the taste that it leaves in your mouth. Um, after they win the '95 Cup, they they have this big fight with Claude Lemieux. He wanted to renegotiate his contract so bad. He even went as far to say that his contract was not valid because he signed a faxed copy of the contract and not the actual contract. And when that didn't fly, Lou was just like, you know what? I'm done with you. And he shipped him off to the island and they got Steve Thomas in return. Now, Steve Thomas, not a bad player at all, but coming off of that 95 cup, you wanted to kind of keep that team intact. And here he is, first chance he get, he's he's running out of town. You know, he, he wants to be at, renegotiate his deal and he's run out of town. Well, he's Con Smythe award winner, right? Yeah. Mm. Claude cried and cried about that. I remember. He was very proud. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm not, I don't feel too bad for him because he went, did go to the Avalanche to win, uh, win another cup. So not really I mean, upset I, about that. I didn't follow it through to see what the Islanders got in exchange for him to send him out to Colorado. I, I did a it trade was... tree one time for, I think, one of the – I think the Kovalev trade, and it was very interesting. I got to find that. I think I still have it. It was Wendell Clark. They got Wendell Clark. Yeah, see, so – so if the Avalanche won that trade, I would I would guess. Well, I would say it was an easy win because go Claude, on to be the yeah. one of the dirtiest players on their team out <laughs> in Colorado. Yeah. Well, you know. They he, he had that reputation already, so that didn't happen though. I mean, that what 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 would we have had in that late nineties Red Wings Avalanche rivalry? I mean, just one of the nastiest rivalries right. in the history of the sport. And we would have missed out on, on a lot of that without Claude. Just going back Chris- to the- Going back to the TV contract, those games were always on ESPN. Anytime oh, yeah. Detroit played Colorado, that was must-watch TV. Yep. Chris Draper's face would look a little different today if if that never happened. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. My goodness <laughs> gracious! It's been twenty years. I think twenty-five years is the is the minimum when it comes to rearranging oh. somebody's face. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter at Friends underscore Rivals. Go to our YouTube channel. You can listen to it there, Friends and Rivals on YouTube. Or you can check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Billy, sing us out. Oh.